When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is going on? What is happening with the coronavirus, COVID spikes? And it's overlaid perfectly with our politics, too. You know, you get both sides now can can claim, and, and people more care about politics and the culture war than the coronavirus. I'm totally convinced of it. But you've got one side saying it's all the protesters, the protesters are responsible for it, or at least are contributing to it, which is undeniable. You've had people, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, in the United States in the streets shouting and sh- spraying their saliva all over the place, concentrated. Not all of them wear masks, even though you're hearing in the news reports. That, uh, I've noticed most of them wear masks. Even NBC10 here in Boston said, I, we've noticed, well, they seem to wear masks. And uh, just about every major newspaper and uh, other media outlet has said, well, they're, they're most what we've noticed is they're pretending to wear masks. Some are wearing masks, but that doesn't really matter, especially when it's, you, you know, enclosed areas inside, uh, you know, shop, for instance, or wherever it is, or, or just when you're pressed up against each other in in uh, riots and tight protests, and there's all sorts of, uh, all sorts of hands hitting hands, and people, it, it just, it only makes sense, and, and then one of the spikes is, that's happening right now, is with young people, I think, let's see, in Arizona, more than half of the new infections are being seen in people between the ages of 20 and 44 mostly around Phoenix. Last week, a study found that 44% of new COVID-19 cases in California were confirmed confirmed in people 34 years old and younger, up from 29% one month ago. Even in Minnesota, where the increasing caseload is rising but not exploding, people aged 20 to 29 represent nearly 40% of all new infections. This is from Commentary Magazine um, by Nora Rothman. Highly suggest it. And... Uh, and who knows? There are so many. There's so much bad information. There are so many agendas and political and cultural agendas here, just diluting the veracity of everything that's being said. That who the hell knows anything anymore? Sure, hanging around in Lake Havasu or wherever that was with uh, with everybody in the pool there drinking beer together. I'm sure that's risky. I'm sure that that. Uh, that uh, all, all lots of folks hanging in bars are are uh, elevated risk, and maybe in those protesters too. The at the uh, state house, where was that? A couple of months ago, or a month ago, whatever that was. That people complained about the protesters bringing guns. The conservative protesters. Sure, there's an increased temp, but we can't pretend. You can't pretend that these protests are not also also a factor in this. They absolutely are. We're seeing the numbers now that the, these are young people. That uh, that these spikes are happening, and nobody else was out. It was only the protesters who were out in the streets, and in some of those places, we're seeing the spikes because of it. 
the and you cannot let the media and politicians get away with this. They cheered these protests while they kept everybody else locked in their houses. They cheered these protests, and now they're all winking to each other and trying to rewrite history and say, no, 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 it wasn't the protests that did it. It was the people in the bars that did it. It wasn't because they know that they're invested in what's going to happen as a result of this protest that they cultivated. And when those young people go back, they go back in homes, and they contaminate people who are susceptible to the to this virus being fatal, so that's on them. The media and the left and those governors, etc. They've they they uh, cultivated and fed into this thing, and you can say you want to say that it's happening on the right too. That's fine, but remember the names of the people who did the things, and there's a lot of names to remember. But this being complicit in these protests and riots. Is uh, is something that we must not forget, and remember who did it, and vote them out of office, left, right, whatever it is, vote them out of office. So the theme of today is um, what is the theme of today? It is what's that called? Conversations that you can't have. For the second day in a row, my vocabulary has escaped me. Forbidden conversations. How about that? That's what we'll call it. For forbidden conversations. And uh, I stumbled onto this morning really early, as if it matters when exactly this morning I stumbled onto it. But I just want you to know it was really early. That shows I'm a responsible adult. A video podcast of Mark Lamont Hill, who's a professor. You've probably seen him. He's a, a black progressive, I would say. Young guy. Very impressive. He used to be on with uh, O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly all the time, and just battle it out with O'Reilly. He goes on Tucker Carlson a lot. He's a great guest, a thoughtful guy, and just a, a, and fearless. And I love that. He's not afraid to go in and, and have conversations and debates, and and we need that. And he was on with Candace Owens, and Candace Owens is now she's she's skyrocketed in in her profile and her fame in the last few years. She is a black conservative who has been red pilled. And Red Pilled is sort of the name for somebody who's seen the the light, a former liberal who's seen the light through some kind of personal experience or something, and now she is a conservative. And she is no-nonsense. For a lot of Republicans and established conservatives, a lot of the people I really like really dislike her. And I don't know why that is. And people close to me dislike her too. And they think that she's a hack or she doesn't know anything. And I always I think she's great. She's just so she's just so just absolutely honest in her opinion. And it's great to hear. She is I I've already said it, she is a a black woman and she says things that if you were not a black woman, you would be so canceled so quickly and some of them are very are are um very sort of uh venomous are some of them are close to the edge statements i guess we could say in my opinion anyway maybe maybe you think it's it's, it's tame stuff but so she uh candace owens and mark lamont hill she was she had mark lamont hill on her tv show and they talked it was like watching two jedis go at it they talked about race and gender issues and it was just incredible i suggest you watch it i think it was hosted on hosted on prager u prager university and this debate was just ridiculous um like i said i i, I tweeted about it today i, I don't I, I think it's probably in one of the top 10 conversations that I have seen, at least political conversations that I have um, heard. It was, it's very good. I've got a few, a little bit of sound from it. These are longer cuts, but, um, but it, it, it's, um, it's worth it. So they start out with, uh, Mark Lamont Hill had very loudly criticized, um, criticized candidate. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got kids in the other room. My kids and the neighbor's kids are, uh, uh, oh, are absolutely socially distanced, and the neighbors' kids are not here. They are absolutely not here, and nobody's making a lot of noise behind me. That's nobody. But 
but Mark Lamont Hill had criticized Candace Owens for for casting aspersions upon George Floyd, even as he was being eulogized, as he was dead. She was vicious about him in a way that I don't like. That I don't. I think that it's it's um, that it's uh, tasteless. To even if the guy didn't have a perfect life, even if he had some scrapes with the law, etc., he had now been killed by the police. And I agree with Mark Lamont Hill that now you leave leave the guy alone. And but she didn't. She criticized him. And so the those two that was the first big thing that they tackled when Mark Lamont Hill and Candace Owens sat together. I think whenever someone is eulogized, right, and these were national public eulogies, we don't say. Yeah, but right when we eulogize Reagan, right, we, you know, as a nation, there were many people who ch- who chided black folk, you know, and people on the left for criticizing policy. They say, wait, there's a time for that. But why? OK, I'm not sure I recall that particular uh, time in history as featuring those criticisms of that back and forth. But we'll let him have it. We're criticizing him now in time of mourning. Why are we doing this here? Why are we doing this now? So, yeah, I don't think at George Floyd's funeral we should be raising his criminal his criminal history. But again, I don't see how that's relevant to the issue here. No one, no one was saying that he was a champion of black people his entire life. The point was, regardless of who he is, his life mattered. His life was worthy of protection. In some ways, I am actually interested to think about what it means for us to fight for someone who wasn't perfect. Because very often we only fight for the the, the, the middle-class, cisgendered, straight, heterosexual guy who was going to college on Monday like Mike Brown. Or we, we have to put Trayvon on a horse to say that he didn't need to die. And it's like, that's not the point. You shouldn't have to be perfect to Well, to I live. think it is the point because, and this is my problem with, with our community, is that, the, you know, black Americans are hypocrites. We are hypocrites, right? So you say, oh, well, it's not the point. Well, where, where were we on the issues of kids getting shot? Actual innocent black victims being killed, you know, every every weekend, every day in the inner cities. Nobody cares. You want if you want to give somebody a funeral and you want to have it be five days long, why not do that for Tyshawn Lee, the nine year old kid who was wearing his school uniform and playing basketball when he was lured into an alley by you know an older black man who then shot him point blank in the head two times because he didn't like his dad and it was like you know it was gang violence. Nobody cared. You know, so this whole idea that there's this uprising because you care about black lives, don't pretend you care about black lives. You like the political expediency of caring about a black life, about a black life, if and only if and only it, only when they die at the hands of a police officer or die at the hands rather of a white person, because it doesn't even have to be a police officer as long as it's a white person. But we kill ourselves faster and nobody cares. Oof, that is Candace Owens once again with Mark Lamont Hill. And she's not done. She's only hitting the gas. Can you name can you name the last 10 black people that died of homicide in this country? Because it wasn't, it wasn't George Floyd. Of course not. Of course not. But Why not? So because there is a well, – well, let me go to the first point you made. Tashaun Lee, of course, that's something we should be uh, sad about. And I think black folk are. I don't, I've never met a black person who didn't care about black-on-black black violence. Protests. We can talk about the protests of that. Um, I just Let me finish this, this other point, though. I think when you get to Tashaun Lee, the point is we mourn him, right? The, the issue with – my issue with you with George Floyd was imagine if we, we, we mourn Tashaun Lee and we go to his funeral and then you bring up the fact that he was a schoolyard bully, hypothetically, right? It'd be like, well, yeah, okay, maybe he was a schoolyard bully, but that's not relevant to this thing we're talking about right now. I'm okay with you talking about uh, violence within the community. The question is, do we want to bring it up here and what, what political work does it do to criticize him in that space? I not- think it's especially important to bring it up there. And, and I'm not talking about being a schoolyard bully because that that's totally different. That almost sounds petty. But when you're talking about somebody who ran drugs to the black community, a, a huge issue that black Americans always talk about, oh, the reason there's so much addiction, you know, is, is because of uh, drugs, the reason that there's drugs. And people point to the idea that, you know, the CIA ran crack into the black communities. Um, but then when you want to talk about why we have this issue of drugs, we, 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 we want to martyr somebody who went to prison five times for selling drugs. Armed robbery, you want to talk about violence. I mean, we're talking about a man. This is not a guy who just was bullying people. I mean, you force your, your, your way into a woman's home and put a pistol to her stomach and threaten to kill her as you rob her while she's pregnant. Okay, this guy was a terrorist, in my opinion. I think we are literally martyring somebody who terrorized the black community his entire life. I'm not comfortable with it. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> How good are these two? Uh, this is I mean, she is the, the I she makes a good point certainly George Floyd had a a bad record he was arrested plenty of times went to jail numerous times that said I've got to say I'm I'm still on Mark Lamont Hill's side where I wouldn't denigrate him 
while he's being buried. I mean, we if I'm, we're going to take a timeout and 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 I personally am I, I'm going to say we have to designate a few minutes before the sports game to the national anthem and standing and respecting the flag, and that's the timeout. That's a sacred moment that shouldn't be that shouldn't be absconded with by any other cause or any kind of other performance art. That's just a selfless moment that we give to to the um, to fallen soldiers or vets or those who have sacrificed for their country. Then I would also say that that for for this for George Floyd, then then maybe you'd give him that moment, the moment of him being buried. I'm gonna yell at children for a moment. One moment. Hey, can you be quiet for a second, please, guys up here? I'm just on the radio, okay? Thanks, guys. If I say I'm recording a podcast, they won't respect that. So I'm making think of them doing something more important. Not that they're going to respect that anyway. So, so yeah, I, I'm I'm with uh, Mark Lamont Hill here, but they ratcheted up a little bit and drilled down really on the core issues. I don't think the world is looking up to George Floyd. I think they're looking to his death as an example of of what's happening to us every single day in societies. And I think that's uh, the kind It's not happening to us every single day in society. Oh, oh, it absolutely is. What is? Excessive force, police brutality. Po- your police, police are killing black Americans every day? No, brutality, excessive force. I'm not talking about death. Uh, brutality, right? The, the- that separates him from a lot of other folks, including a lot of people in Black Lives Matter who are suggesting this is exactly about young black men being killed in the streets every day or weekly or very often uh, by law enforcement and cops. So Lamont Hill is his, um, staking his own claim in a little bit different real estate than, than many progressives. That's the point, right? George Floyd was beaten... Uh, excuse me, people are beaten every day. George Floyd was was attacked. Some people are beaten because they, they are being violent to police officers. So if you look at the data, the data suggests something different. What does that suggest? The data suggests that even when you control for the nature of the offense that they're charged for, meaning obviously there's a greater chance that you'll have a physical interaction with a violent offender than, mm-hmm. say, someone who passes off like a counterfeit bill or someone who steals a loaf of bread. And you, and you, and you control for... Um, all the other data, all, all the other factors which would mitigate against the argument I'm making or challenge the argument I'm making. Blacks and, and, and Latinos are 40 to 50 percent ha, ha, face for, are 40, 40 to 50 percent more likely to face excessive force. Now, when you get to the to death, when you get to police shootings, the, the, the most accurate and recent data from the studies that are out don't suggest a racial disparity. Right. Black people aren't necessarily more likely to be killed by law enforcement every day, you know, on a day-to-day basis. In fact, the numbers are relatively low. But excessive force, absolutely. The data is is indisputable. The black Where, what, well, Whose statistics? I mean, you could study uh, by... Because I've looked at statistics and I've, I've never seen this. And I mean, I'm talking about uh, poli- people that have actually been proven to be using excessive force. There's been no racial disparity. And if there is one, white white... Uh, males are more likely. No, they're more um, likely to be. You're looking at the. You're looking at the death. Not statistic. just killed. Except you know excessive brutality. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about filings because you might be talking about filings. No, no. I'm I'm talking about even if you even when you look at. The, I'll give you an example. Roland Fryer uh, has a study in 2019, the Journal of Political Economy, that's been reviewed, peer reviewed, etc. There's and he actually pushes back against more. Uh, stronger arguments on my side, which I'm not invoking because I would say I think Roland's study is actually more accurate. In, in, in Before we delve too deep into Roland Fryer, what Mark Lamont Hill is saying here would find a comfortable home in libertarian circles. Absolutely. The guys from Reason Magazine would listen to this day. He, he's absolutely right. But I, I think it's very important that they tussle over every bit of fact and figure and and all of the data. I think it's very important that both sides do everything to vet every piece of information, to challenge each other, and these two are perfectly matched to do it. And less in my favor. But the data that they're submitting, ironically, is, is, is from police departments. Right. So, so we could intuitively believe that the most racist police departments aren't submitting the data. So these are the police departments saying, hey, we're doing this right. Here, mm-hmm. We're willing to show you this stuff. And 40 to 50 percent um, of that um, 
40, 40, 40 to 50% higher rate among black and brown people of excessive force th- being thrown to the ground, being uh, also being handcuffed without, but why without are they arrest. Being, so just to introduce that data and say they're being thrown to the ground means nothing unless you say what the reasons were for them being thrown to the ground. Do you get what I'm saying? So that becomes that, that, becomes, that data is very subjective. Well, now, if you're saying like, you know, they threw him to the ground because he was running and they had to throw him to the ground and you saw a police report where they've studied and it says this person was, was thrown to the ground and he was black. Okay, well, the answer could also be that you look at the statistics of who's more likely to fight back against police officers and the answer is black people. So data can always be manipulated to give sure. you the answer you want to hear, which is why I think the most concrete. That's what you look, look at the at, study, though, because they, they, they actually address the point okay, you're raising, and they said I think that's the not most true. important, you know, concrete data to look at. And I'm glad you've already acknowledged it. Is that there is no racial disparities when you look at the numbers of who's actually dying at the hands of police officers. So the entire narrative um, that's out there right now in the world is just patently wrong. Well, there you go. So there's um, there's dis- there's disagreement there, and for her to challenge the entire premise of the popular view, at least the popular view, the conventional wisdom view of what racism looks like in the black community as uh, vis-a-vis the police and law enforcement is a big boulder for her to push and that she's doing it is is incredible. I, I just don't think that many other people would have the courage to do something like that because you're engaging in a fight that certainly will destroy your career. That's why it's a forbidden conversation. Certainly could destroy your career. And it will will plant the seeds for a poisonous fruit that will come to uh, poison you one day. This is what happens when you say something like this. Because not only Black Lives Matter is an organization, and there are plenty of organizations based on cultivating the perception of a searing racism in this country that is a a dangerous uh, specter that could at any time end your life through no fault of your own is certainly been historically and currently has been undermining your chances at success and, you know, oppressing you and your family. I mean, that is the the feeling. There are a lot of race hustlers out there. There certainly certainly is, uh, is a history of racism in this country. And there are racist events and racist crime and all that stuff. And you cannot d- deny the the plight of the black American, considering especially those black Americans who came here as through slavery, who were essentially, not even essentially, who were definitely simply property, that, uh, that, that, that path has uh, led the way, has influenced current life i mean this is what i believe anyway i've i hear more and more people who uh, who like candace owens who say no enough is enough it's time for personal responsibility to, to be looked at for uh, as uh, as more of a reason why the plight of young black especially men but young black folks in the black community to um to be not enjoying the fruits of the american dream so here we go back to these two. These two, uh, Candace Owens and Michael Lamont Hill, they uh, they will move to the fundamental. Michael Lamont Hill here defends the fundamental core, I would say, of Black Lives Matter. I think Black Lives Matter has always talked about uh, the daily violence, among other things. If you look at the Movement for Black Lives policy statement, they're talking about all kinds of stuff. It's it's always been a. It's wa- actually most about LGBT movement now. It's it's a wide it's wide Here net, we go. but it's, it's an interesting. But that's the problem. That you create a wide net when you when you're full of bullshit. Right. When you know you're bullshit, it's like we're not just about we're about trans rights and police. It's like maybe one sentence now that's even about police anything. They've really kind of dwindled it. And it's actually more about equality for trans something. But this is but but Candace, I would think this would be up your alley. Right. Not the trans part. um, (laughs) Definitely not up my alley. But but the idea that we're not singling out. The police. We're saying that we should care about black lives in all sectors. I mean, that's part of the, part of the argument you're making about black on black violence is one about saying we should care about black life, not just when it, when when it's threatened by police, mm-hmm. but everywhere. The movement for black lives is saying, look, we care about poverty. We care about certainly state violence. We care about food insecurity. We care about all of these things because they they they, they connect. But so they're lying. That's the whole point. You can put that statement on your website, but then when your solution to that is to go into streets and to riot and to burn down and to loot, and every time they have a protest, it ends this way. So it's not like there was like that's that. That's not true. It, it's not like there was that one time where they started every time Black Lives Matter, Matter narrative starts running in the media, black people die, black people's neighborhoods get burned down. 
from the start of, Tra- of Trayvon Martin, moving on to Freddie Gray, and here we are today with George Floyd, with Ahmaud Arbery. This is what happens every single time. Yeah, Minnesota looked pretty bad. I gotta say, some of those pictures of Minnesota look like Dresden, and those businesses, many of them will never come back. Other businesses that would have moved into those neighborhoods will never move into those neighborhoods. Probably there are parts of Minnesota, Minneapolis, that will never return to to even burgeoning prosperity ever. Just businesses won't go back in there. If you're a target, would you go back, put your employees at risk, and just be you know that at any time the police station was burned down next to you and that at any time it could happen again? No. And you're, these um, that's employees, employees from the, from the community. Black-owned businesses burned to the ground, and housing burned to the ground. It happens. It, it it's terrible. It's terrible, and it's believe me. I, I keep saying it that the it's incredible to me, and the and this just shows you just uh, what vipers the media can be. It's incredible to, to me that we've witnessed, as a matter of some of these riots, you've had middle-class college white kids essentially uh, who look like ace of base burning down working-class businesses owned by black people. And that's not being highlighted by this media, which would seem to care about race crimes. No, this is incredible. It's an incredible thing that's going on. They move on to um, quotas for scholarships. So, And um, along the lines of affirmative action, and, uh, schools, colleges trying to make quotas. If if it was a merit based system, all yeah. of the top schools would have all Asians, and that's why Asians are suing, and they have they sh- they should win. I hope they win because it's racist. We should not be saying you overperform and there's too many of you because Asians have a better culture and they focus on school. <laughs> they do. I mean, listen, a I say this culture? all. They do, and then this is the problem is that we don't want to acknowledge the fact. And this is this is the reason why Black America is never, in my opinion, going to get better until we're able to have honest discussions. Every culture is. Different. She said they have a better culture. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? The, the the she has courage different right there are many different cultures going on you know latino culture is different asian's culture di- is different Which asian who are you talking about uh, okay so I, I should be more specific yeah so right now there's a bunch of cambodian yeah, yeah, monkeys yeah, yeah, yeah. that have never seen camp you know, so right now the, the 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 you know if you want to talk about in terms of wealth in america the wealthy the wealthiest groups are pakistani taiwanese um not chinese actually and i think japanese right and Growing up in, in you know in an environment, I grew up in a very mixed you know uh, public school system. My one of my best friends who was Japanese, after school at her house, her dad was crazy about schoolwork. I mean, it was like it didn't happen in my house. Our cultures were different, you know what I mean? Didn't happen in my house. And my cousins, like really, a lot of us, we're, I'm raising my cousins. I'm watching my my cousins, you know, because their moms at work, they single mother households. So the cousins are becoming the babysitters. Wasn't that way? Her father was so strict about her work. You know, she ended up going, to, you know, to a top school. That made sense based off of how she's worked her entire life, right? To imagine that I didn't end up going to a top school, and for me to say it's because of you know color of my skin or she shouldn't be allowed. No, she she worked harder. Asian culture is different. Jewish Americans have a different culture, right? They they also are ones that tend to value schoolwork a lot harder. We need to do better in black America at valuing schoolwork. I wasn't raised in a household that valued schoolwork. And I'm not saying all, I'm not here to paint a broad brush, but I'm saying over overwhelmingly, you know, there's a reason why we're dropping out of high school at a higher rate. You no, know? there are lots of reasons. And but but nobody, we never talked about what we're doing it... wrong. And it, it is it is culture. No, right? I think and even I... our our we we value breaking down education, even via our, our hip hop, our music, everything. We we actually value a lack of education. We see that as black culture. Do you get what I'm saying? Like Ebonics, that's us, right? And how, then we're how is Ebonics a lack of education? And, and then it, it, what I'm saying is that you're, you're what, what Ebonics is, is you're breaking down the English language, right? And then we're surprised. No, it's a when, dialect of the English language. Okay, it? it's a dialect of the English language, but it's not proper English, right? And then we're surprised when 75% of black boys can't pass a reading exam, and then we want to blame the government. Right, seventy five percent of black boys in California. Then you want to say it's the government. The government's doing something wrong. What are we doing wrong? Are black, do, do we do anything wrong? <laughs> if I was in that room, I would be. My eyes would be so firmly planted, staring straight at the ground and not making eye contact, checking my cell phone, um, maybe cutting myself. I don't. I don't even know. I. I feel uncomfortable listening to that conversation just here, and I'm safe. I think. I don't. I don't know. But it, I think it's a very both of them are entitled to their opinions, and both of them are using their own wealth of knowledge, their own experiences, to put the best fourth argument forward, best best argument forward. So, okay, last cut. 
Once again, this is at the PragerU site. This is Candace Owens with Mark Lamont Hill. And they stumble on to the LGBT debate and or the the issue of LGBT stuff. And uh, of course, with Candace Owens, by the way, I have asked her to be on this show. I'm sure that that I um I'm sure that the chances are good because I emailed her on her personal email, which is info at candaceowens.com. So I'm sure she's checking that one from my email. Anyway, if she gets, I'd love to have her on. I'd love to have Mark Lamont Hill on. I'll reach on out to him as well. So here we go. They hit LGBT. I want to ask you, uh, you know, as a last topic about the LGBTQ, and Z agenda. Um, the agenda? That sounds yeah. so nefarious. It is agenda. It is agenda when you start, you know, trying to get policies placed into school um, that allows teachers to um, call your child by a different gender. And as a parent, they're not required to tell you. They could be calling your little boy Samantha all day at school and they don't have to tell you. That's an agenda, right? When you start trying to systemize it um, and, you know, to make it uh, systemized, uh, systemic it becomes an agenda. And when you see how vicious that lobby has become, particularly the trans, I've said, like, you had me at the LGB, lost me at the T. Um, why, 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 why the T? The T, because that's when you started telling people they were bigots because they don't want to play the crazy game. So here's my point. Um, I think trans is a, a mental disorder. I think there's tons, you know, gender dysphoria is a mental disorder. There's tons of mental disorders out there. There are people that walk around down the street and think they are Superman. You know, think they can, they have powers and they can fly in their Batman. And I would never want to see that person at can you imagine in your job, can you imagine, and I know that's not the point, she's making a, an, an argument, but I'm just, I, I, I am so used to seeing so many career in, in cultural executions of people for saying things that don't even scratch the surface of what she's saying, that I have this, like, this anxiety now, that I feel like uh, something's wrong, there's something in the air that's... Uh, that that's you know somebody's gonna kick in the door for for these thought crimes that are happening. Tact, you know, um, I grew up in uh, a family where one of my uncles had severe mental disorders and thought he was an like Indian from a tribe or something. You know, uh, kind of got it because he was in. In Massachusetts, we also have a United States senator who has a, a similar condition. Solitary confinement for too long, and he actually went crazy in prison. Um, so mm. I've always been sensitive to people that have, you know, mental disorders. Um, but, but when you start saying a society that you now have to pretend that Candace's uncle is an Indian, and if you don't, you know, acknowledge him as Pocahontas, then you're a bigot, you're, that's, that's wrong. Now you're putting the pressure on me <laughs> to not just be, you know, accepting of this, but now to play the crazy game and to say, if you mispronounce and you don't call him Chief Pocahontas, then you're a bigot. Yeah. I don't play that game. I'm like, I'm going to live in reality. You cannot live in reality. You can say how you feel. You can say what you think you see. You can pretend, say that you think that, you know, we're on Mars right now, but I'm not going to pretend that I see Mars because it makes you more comfortable. So I would, obviously I disagree. Um, the, and, and what's interesting is there are people you say you're you're with the L and the G and the B. Um, there are people who, you know, 30 years ago would have made the exact same arguments against you for the L, the G, the G and the B. They would have said that there's scientific data that there's that these are people who are who are who are who have mental disorders. There's some misalignment between what they desire and what they're supposed to. That there's some kind of gender uh, uh, thing going on that they're confused about. Um, and, and, and 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 you know, I think that. We have to do a few things. For me, I think the easy part, and this is the part I think you and I agree on, is that we have to accept and we should accept people um, as they present themselves in the world, right? Like if someone says my pronouns are, if I told you my pronouns were she, um, her, you would address me as she and her, right? No, I wouldn't. And there you go. <laughs> Candace Owens and Mark Lamont Hill, those two should have a show or at least a weekly podcast or something that... that those conversations, those conversations, those honest conversations between people, even though they get uncomfortable and ugly and they're far from what is accepted in polite company, especially in polite liberal company, elite progressive company. I mean, there are places people try to shut her down all the time. People come out at her physically and try to shut her down, shut her, um, shut her 
uh, speeches down, and she just stands up there. She's got the audacity of um, of hope, as a great man once said, and uh, and she just says it. And Mark Lamont Hill, he's been in hot water himself. CNN whacked him a couple of years ago, uh, claiming that he said something anti-Semitic. He said something very pro-Palestine. I don't know what he has in his heart for that stuff. I, I'm not going to be. I don't. I. I I have a very high bar for what's anti-Semitic and what's racist. And unless he says something anti-Semitic, I'm not going to read into it that he did. It certainly sounded really, really pro-Israel. And somewhere you probably got, uh, there's probably some difficulty squaring those two things. But I I think it's good that people talk like this. That she speaks her, her mind and they have the intellectual argument. I think it's good for both of them to have somebody who is... Uh, who's sh- got an acumen for the the song and dance of interchange like that like these are people using the best of their intellect to try to work out ideas and uh, bring bring i uh, thoughts and uh, under a a light of scrutiny i think that's good we should have that and it's also really entertaining both of those people are really good, so we'll see. I can, you know, I'll check my email right now and see if my info at CandaceOwens.com has yielded any results. And uh, no, nothing. All right. I've seen a b- great feedback, by the way, on YouTube. Oh, YouTube. We're not on YouTube yet. I will upload them. I just don't know. Do you want to see this stuff on YouTube? I'm not gonna. I don't want to do a video of myself. I'm 47. I am fat. I need a haircut. And I, I do you want to watch this person? Really? I would suggest. And I tell my wife this all the time. I that I suggest you rethink your um, your likes in your your. I suggest you rethink your taste and and up your standards a little bit and be a little more discerning if you want to see Tom Shattuck say this stuff in a room in Massachusetts. But if I get enough feedback saying you want to do the video, that's fine. As far as YouTube, I could just put a static uh, image there and just have it. If you if that's how you prefer to stream stuff to YouTube, I hear that a whole bunch of people do that. And uh, if you if that's how you do it, then I'll do it, I guess. My wife tells me I should do it anyway. So what is next? What is next? I went out today for the walk. It was a longer walk than ever, almost seven miles. And it was just a, it was not a great animal day. I saw rabbits. I saw turkeys. saw turtles, but nothing good. I'm looking for deer. I am not looking for bears. That is not something that it will ever, I ever need to happen. I have no self-defense against a bear. I, I have no self-defense against a deer, actually. Okay, here we go. Okay. White House Press Corps, Ryan Leza, who writes for Politico and is always on CNN. He, the press is so toxic and poisonous, it's incredible. He, uh, during the White House press briefing today, because of all the, the, the race is, uh, the racial tensions at, at, in this country are, you know, higher than ever. He asked uh, this question to Kaylee McEnany, who's the White House press secretary. I'm to ask oh, you. Oh, no, this question. Yes, go ahead. Kaylee, um, there's a national conversation going on right now about the proper place of symbols of the Confederacy, statues, memorials, names. And the, the president has repeatedly inserted himself into this debate. And I think a lot of people are trying to understand what his view of uh, memorializing the Confederacy is and the proper place of the Confederate flag. So a couple questions. One, does he believe, does President Trump believe that it was a good thing that the South lost the Civil War? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that POS asking that question? Can you imagine? This is not the first time. They've been asking this stuff here and there for a long time. Some, I think during the Charleston presser from Trump Tower, they asked him if he sympathized with Nazis or something. And to ask this question, do you think that he's, he's somebody who's upset— is a fan of the Confederacy at a time like right now. CNN is, re- is responsible for about twenty eight percent of fostering this uh, this climate of this 
facade of racism that in this country that has people scared to death of walking down the street, that has people believing that uh, Trump voters would try to lynch a guy in Chicago at 2 in the morning and it's sub-zero weather. And then, of course, CNN reported on that as if it happened. But they've fostered this fake environment where there is a war on black people, and it's terrible. It's it's a incredible racist disservice to the those in the black community. And it's divisive for everybody, and it's disgusting, and CNN is a big part of that. I'll play the response from Kaylee McEnany. But what I think she should have said was, that rap, that that's it. I think that was the first question in the presser today. She should have said, oh, right, guys, that'll do it for us today, and shut down every presser as soon as somebody tries to throw in a, a, a just simply a grenade into the culture using the White House press room as a weapon. And then two, is he interested in following NASCAR's example and banning the Confederate flag at his own events? Well, your first question is absolutely absurd. He's proud of the United States of America. Um, second, with regard to our statues, um, Americans oppose tearing down our statues. There is a Harvard-Harris poll released just last week that shows 60 percent of respondents said the statues should remain, and 71 percent said local governments should block groups from physically destroying the statues. So he stands on the side of preserving our history. The question is actually about the Confederate flag at his rallies. Will he, is he interested in banning the Confederate flag at his rallies? That would be a question for his campaign. But look, this president's focused on taking action, on fixing problems. It's why he had his executive order just a few weeks ago to keep our streets safe and secure. That's where his focus lies. And um, I think that those who are tearing down statues, they do appear to have no ideology when they're tearing down statues and defacing statues of Matthias Baldwin, an abolitionist, um, Hans Christian Hegg, who died fighting for the Union Army during the Civil War, uh, a memorial for African-American soldiers who fought in the Civil War was damaged in Boston, and a monument to fallen police officers was vandalized in Sacramento. This is unacceptable. It's why the president took strong action. It's why as an executive order saying those tearing down statues will be punished to the fullest extent of the law. It's why four people will charge. He will not stand for lawlessness and chaos. He stands with the 71 percent of Americans who say there is no place for tearing down statues, as these anarchists are doing across the nation. Okay, to display Christian. the flag at his events. Christian. Yeah, thanks, Kaylee. Uh, I got a couple. First off. Sorry, Ryan. Ryan Lee, you are all done for today. Good use of your time, though. So, is she. Uh, what you heard was standard flax spinning and all that stuff, but it was good that she hit those bullet points and she had those examples ready. Kaylee McEnany is very prepared and so she's got that big folder that she brings up when she sees a she she telegraphs a question coming down that pike she goes to the um the notebook and she's usually got something planned a lot of people think that that's disingenuous and it's spin and yes it is spin that is her job that is the job of every press secretary to put forth their the their message and only their message that they want to and to spin uh, news items and ancillary things into that positive message so, I you know I missed the whole J- Jamel Hill thing. I she she was on ESPN, I guess. I've heard cuts of her on the radio. I don't know that she's very talented. I'm told she's not a good writer, but apparently she went after after Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports. And let me just say, I love Barstool Sports. I have for a long time. Back when they were a much when they were brand new, and I was just getting into radio back then. I think Portnoy drove his own van and delivered the stuff around Boston himself. And and then it was just, this is really before it was on online, or just before, maybe around that time. And um, and we used to, unbelievably, when I was a uh, you know, much younger, naive man, and we used to have one of the posters, might have been a calendar or whatever, one of the posters. If you remember Barstool when it was a print edition, you'll know what I mean, in our office at one point, <laughs> which is unbelievable. And actually the, the big boss, who was a uh, woman, uh, did make us take it down. Thankfully, I didn't shoulder the blame for the whole thing. But, but, uh, but this guy's an American success story, and he's worked hard. And it is a it is a dude's website, or at least it was in the beginning. Now there's the, there there are all sorts of women have podcasts on it, and the CEO is a woman. But uh, but I like the just the American story of this of how hard Portnoy worked and and what he did, and he he filled a gap 
and there was uh, the market wanted his product, and he gave it to them, and he's enjoying success, and that's I think that's great. He um, so this Jamel Hill, who's now with is she with the Atlantic now? She's been with a bunch of things. She is a um, reporter or a news person, TV star, whatever, journalist, black journalist. And she uses racism to describe the weather, anything going on at all. is uh, It's obviously some kind of racism. She can't she can't get away from it. And to use the, the, the tag is such a lazy thing. It just shows that she's, she's either intellectually not capable of talking about anything else or just simply obsessed with it. So she's decided that uh, Portnoy has to be canceled because they found an old somebody on the internet found an old uh, barstool skit where they make fun of Colin Kaepernick from 2015. I guess it's not politically correct or whatever. And Jamel Hill says this is terrible, but then again, consider the source. And she's trying to get him canceled. Now, um, of course, Portnoy found somebody who found something of hers that said. That seems to be uh, anti-trans or something. But anyway, so importantly, as so many media people have, Tucker's going through it now, Tucker Carlson, and Bill Maher has to go through it occasionally. Limbaugh went through it. So many go through it. Cancel culture is out there, and a lot of media companies, or for WEI up here in Boston, of course, it was the Boston Globe working with an activist to shake down businesses, to try to get these shows canceled. And now they're after Barstool Sports. And I don't know if all the big media matters for America, or there's some many organizations that do this thing. They usually flood voicemails and companies and and say, do you want to, why are you being associated with a known racist or anti-Semite or known sexist or whatever? And a lot of these advertisers get scared and they, they leave. And then it pressures management, that forces management to whack the staff because the sales staff is saying, hey, your guy in programming just cost us $6 million. We need to make a change here. And a lot of these GMs or the, the people at the top come from a sales background and they say, no, 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 we're not doing that. Get a new get a new content guy. So anyway, now Portnoy is dealing with the, with this stuff. And he uh, called an emergency meeting. To discuss it, and I've got to say, what he said was absolutely great. Okay, emergency press conference time. Well, it took him long enough. Uh, cancel culture finally coming after the barstool. I mean, they come after what? Jimmy Kimmel, Joe Rogan, Bill Simmons. Now it's our turn. You knew it was going to happen. To be honest, they've been coming after me for 17 years. People want to get rid of us. And here's the thing I've been doing this for two decades. I've made fun of every group of people, every race, every creed, every culture, you name it. We've made jokes about it. So if the no fun club, if the cancel culture wants to go back, blog by blog, video by video, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, and comb through everything we've ever said and done, yeah, you're going to find a few jokes that miss the mark, that things that are... If they were said today, you'd be like, how did they say this? What are they, idiots? But times change. Sensitivities change. Cultures change. When you've been doing it as long as we have, things change. It's like going into a comedy club for a comedian that you hate, that you didn't buy a ticket for, hearing a joke, running out to the street, be like, hey, you'll never believe what this guy said, without <laughs> giving any context or even saying it was a comedy show. That's what these people do. And I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to bend the knee. The thing people are coming at me now, the Kaepernick, it's like literally a joke from The Office. Which, by the way, Steve Carell has said would never exist nowadays because people would cancel it in two seconds. Yet, the canceled people probably f***ing love that show. Isn't that, <clears throat> that's totally true. You know they did, too. You know, that the, most of these cancel culture people, the ones especially who are just on Twitter and Facebook and social media, you know mobs they are absolutely hypocritical and they even though they lived they've done things that would be absolutely cancelable they changed just a nanosecond before you did so now they've taken that nanosecond to turn around and look at you and point to you and say haha you're doing something that's cancelable now cancelable now and I've changed I'm a better person than you and I'm trying to cancel you so that makes me very noble and a really good virtuous human being and better than you and this is what I'm going to spend my time doing. And I love that Portnoy has just no time for this. They just hate me. Now keep in mind, there isn't one person I've ever worked with 
who has worked for me, we've done business with, interacted with, who will ever back up anything these haters say. Not one. I've worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Instead, they just throw rocks, darts from behind bushes, and then when I turn around, like, you want to talk about it? Because I can explain my thought process and defend myself. They never do. Nope. They just want to run and hide. Throw darts, run and hide. Well, f there's really f important issues going on in the world right now. Concentrating on uh, trying to cancel a comedy site who's been doing it for two decades and has a mountain of evidence to support that they're just trying to be funny is not the best use of time. And not only that, I hate to break it to you guys, but whenever you try to cancel us and do these movements that pop up once every couple of years, it only makes us stronger because normal people want an escape for a couple seconds from this world. And that's all we're trying to do. And it just makes them like us more. So. All right, keep trying to cancel us. We'll keep growing stronger. And when you're miserable and dead and f off doing your own thing, in the next decade, we'll still be here doing us, and you'll still be losing sleep about it. That's just how it goes. You see, this mug ain't going anywhere. Here, here, Dave Portnoy. Giving it right back to him. I think that is great. So, thank you for joining me again. I will be here probably tomorrow, and uh, we may have a guest. I'll still work on some of these. Uh, I've got a big laundry list of, of people to, to uh, come on. I know that I've gotten feedback that, that, that some of you like the non-political stuff. We'll do more non-political stuff, too. I mean, I like other things. I do think that we're kind of in a special situation here where we're all locked down and we're, we're, there's a shared experience. So to not talk about COVID and the... Uh, results of COVID, all the byproducts of COVID, and the 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 unraveling of the uh, culture, institutions, and norms right now since the George George Floyd death. It seems it would be a bit odd to abandon those things at, at the moment, but I hear you, and I like to get away from it too. But you know, we'll um, th th there's nothing really off the table. You also can suggest a, a topic. I want to do. I'll do some. I want to talk to some authors. And um, a few other things as well. I'm, I'm a history guy, so, uh, you know, it would be a good help to talk to authors who write about times in history that mirror these times. And believe it or not, those things have happened. All right. Talk to you later. Two more hogs got the fever. We all have it coming together. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.